Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. How we doing? How we doing? That that hour losing it, man. I kind of want it back. Although I, I did I did hear this might be the last time that happens. Maybe so. I guess now we just permanently lose an hour for the rest of our life. I don't know how that works. But listen. Hey, we are so excited that you came to worship with us this morning at Airline Baptist Church. Whether it's your first-time guest with us or it's your first time back in a long time or you've been here every single day in 2023, we're just excited that you are here worshiping with us on this hill. If you're a first-time guest, we've got a connection card you can fill out and uh, drop that in. Uh, we've got a gift to give you. We'll go over that at the end uh, today. But just a few quick announcements and we're going to dive into worship. Um, you may know we've got D now. Uh, coming up quick for our students, and I talked with, with, with Pastor Taylor and his wife, Heather. We still need some, some help uh, with that, some volunteers um, doing everything, serving meals, uh, helping clean up, doing things like that. The sign-up sheet is online. You can fill that out or talk with one of them, and then also they need donations, food, snacks, that kind of thing. Again, all that's online. You can scan a QR code on the back of a prayer card. Um, specifically 4D now, um, and then you can drop all that donation stuff off in Pastor Taylor's office. Now, one more thing, and we're going to dive right in here this morning. Easter is coming up quickly. Who's excited for Easter? One of the greatest days of the year. And we are doing a full-on rollout. We're so excited to celebrate Easter in a big way because we serve a big God. And we've got cards. You should have got cards to give out uh, this morning. Give those out. Uh, there should be 10 of them challenging you to give those to 10 people that you know this week or, or the next couple of weeks. we got those. We'll have yard signs uh, as well for you to put in your yard and to put in other places in the community here. We're just so excited as we get to gather together and worship a risen Savior. And that's what we're going to do this morning. So I'm going to pray really quickly, and we're going to transition into worship. God, we come today just excited for what you're going to do because you're a big, big God who does big, big things. And we are just so grateful that, that you've invited us to worship with you, that we can sing our praises, God, that you say are like sweet incense to you. So let us do that in this time together, corporately worship you because it's not about us, but it's about you your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and worship this morning. Time 
so I'm gonna sing it out. And how You are so good. How great you are. Age to age you stand. Or from beginning to the end, you are there. You are here now. You are moving now. Lord, we thank you so much for those words that are still standing today, that are still moving mountains today. Man, what mighty, mighty words, strong words. What a mighty God we serve. We thank you so much for this time of worship that we can all just gather, brothers and sisters in Christ, and lift up your mighty name. Proclaim your truth. And just give it all back to you this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for Pastor Zach as he agreed to bring the message. Lord, have your way. We love you and we praise you. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, Quez and the band for leading us in worship this morning. So good to see you. Uh, so glad you're, you're here today. You have braved the elements as well as the time change. So who is planning on taking a nap as soon as they get home from, from church? There we go. Um, and so, so glad to see you here. And if you're joining us online, thank you for joining us there as well. Um, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. Um, this will be the last week of our Praying with Paul series. And so I figured we would go big and we're going to look at three prayers of Paul. Um, and so your afternoon nap will be even sweeter once we get through these three prayers. As you're turning there, um, Chase already made mention of it. Do encourage you to take these cards. Now, one thing you'll notice on the card is there's something a little different. For Sunday morning worship, Easter worship, we are going to start at 1045 instead of 1030. And the reason for this is that we want to bump it back 15 minutes and so that, now hear me life group leaders, still finish life group on the same time, okay? I'm not looking at any particular life group leader in particular, still, still not. Um, but we want to finish at the same time because we want to get people here into the worship center so that we could have more folks to serve on our connection team and to greet and just to be in here in the, in the worship center as folks are coming in for Easter worship. And so here's the reason why um, 
we say that is because we're praying and expecting God to do big things that Sunday morning. Really that weekend in general, we're praying for God to do some big things. And so one of the things that I be strongly believe is that if you are going to pray for something, we need to prepare for God to answer that prayer. Amen. What does it say about our prayers if we pray for God to do something, but yet do not prepare for God to do that? Do we really believe what we're praying for? And so if we as a church are praying for God to do big things that weekend, we need to prepare for that as a church. And so that's not a permanent change, okay? So worship will start at 1030, except for that one Sunday, uh, we'll bump it back 15 minutes to start at 1045. And so hopefully that is clear, just in case if you got those cards and you're like, why does that say 1045? Um, that's, that's what we're going to be doing that Easter morning, all right? And so 1 Thessalonians, and so the the... Of course, Paul has some other epistles, but they're to individuals. And so this is really the last church epistle that we have, First and Second Thessalonians. And just as we've seen before, we see some background in the book of Acts. And so Paul leaves Philippi and goes to Thessalonica. And while he's there, he, the gospel begins to move and make an impact. And some of the Jews are stirred up by this. And they oppose Paul and oppose the gospel. But it's, while Paul and, si and, and Silas are there, we get this classic phrase that they're accused of, get this, being the men that turn the world upside down. Now that's the description that Paul is given, that as he is preaching the gospel, as he is making much of Christ, he's accused of being part of the group that has turned the world upside down. Wouldn't that be a great moniker to have, Verline Baptist Church? that we believe the gospel so profoundly and we share it so passionately that what does even the non-believers out in Hall County say of Airline Baptist Church? That they turn the world upside down. Not just believers recognizing that, but even non-believers out in the community say that's them who turn the world upside down. So that's the birth of the church of Thessalonians. But then we come to Paul's epistles, and he's, he's really not that far removed. Most scholars date Thessalonians to be written somewhere in the 49 to 51 range. So this is an incredibly early book. This is one of the earliest books of your New Testament. And so Paul's not that far removed and is probably writing this from Corinth because he got the report from Timothy about what was going on in Thessalonica. And there's a few things that's reported. First, persecution is increasing against the Christians there. They are running up against resistance to the gospel. And not only are they running up to resistance, they are being persecuted for their beliefs. So there's some crazy times going on at the church. They're being persecuted for their beliefs. But not only that, there's some theological confusion with the church. They have 
dove into some questions about Christ's return. And some teaching had begun to circulate within the church that Christ had already returned and they had missed it. And so Paul writes to them to assure them they have not missed it. That Christ's return there's, will be evident when Christ returns for his bride. So he writes them to encourage them. Now, my goal is to not to get off into eschatology or end times discussion this morning. Because um, people can get a little weird when it comes to end times and eschatology. One of my favorite books, I've never read it, I simply like the title of the book. It's 88 Reasons the Rapture Will Happen in 1988. We missed it. So people can get kind of weird about stuff like that, right? But Paul is writing to the church to encourage them that they had not missed it. But get this, they are still called to live in light of Christ's return. And that there's a particular life that Christ calls us to live. While yes, we are living in crazy difficult times, but we're also looking ahead to when Christ returns, but there's still a mission to accomplish while we're here. There's still a life to be lived while we were here, while we are here. And there's a particular pattern of life that Christ calls his people to while we are on this side of eternity, while we are on this side of Christ's second coming. And so both of those things still apply to us today. It's easy to look around and go, man, the world's getting crazy out there. But just as we've shared before, no matter how crazy things may get out there, the church is never called to shutter the doors, batten down the hatches, and insulate ourselves from the world. Why? Because we have a glorious promise that what the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So no matter how difficult it may be, no matter how crazy the times may be, the church is never called to insulate and to isolate from the world. We are called to go into the world proclaiming the gospel. But not only that, the church is also called to live in light of Christ's second coming. And the issue that the church of Thessalonica had was that we, we, we could see reports in early church literature that there were people that were selling their homes and their possessions and their jobs because they thought Christ was returning tomorrow. Now, don't get me wrong. To live as though Christ is returning tomorrow should motivate us, correct? But Christ still has purposes to accomplish in our lives. And so rather than going, okay, Christ is returning tomorrow, let me sell everything I have and go sit up on a hill and wait for Christ to return. We're not called to do that. But we're called to go and to make disciples. In whatever life, whatever venue you have been called to, you are called to make disciples. So we live in Christ, in light of Christ's return, but again, not to isolate and insulate ourselves from the world around us. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 will be our first text. 
So three prayers that Paul prays. Look with me in chapter 3, starting in verse number 9. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. God, we pray during this time as we break up in your word, that God, it would be your word and your word alone. God, let us see what you have for us. Break open the bread of life for us today. And God, we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So of the three prayers that we're going to look at today, this first is a prayer for presence. A prayer for presence. Now, one of the things I wrestled with this week is that some of these things that we're going to look at, we've, we've kind of already looked at in some of the other prayers to the other churches. But here's the reality for us to wrestle with today, is that Paul's prayers and the things that he prays for can be repetitive because there are certain elements of no matter the context, no matter the culture, no matter the time, are always good and helpful and beneficial to pray for the church. And so we're going to see what may seem like some repetition from what we've seen before. And so Paul prays for presence. So going back to verse 9. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. Notice he's thankful for the church. But not only that, what really sparked my eye this week studying this text is that little phrase, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. Now just to say this in passing, one of the things that I firmly believe is a mark of spiritual maturity is mine and your ability to be joyous on someone else's account. So if God answers your prayer, but hasn't answered mine yet, a sign of spiritual maturity is for me to have joy that God has answered your prayer, even though he hasn't answered mine yet. And so Paul is joyous for them seeing how God is at work in the church. So he expresses joy. But notice he begins his prayer. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face. What is Paul's prayer? That he would see his brothers and sisters in the faith that he would be able to spend time with them, that he would have a presence with them. Church, what if you and I prayed the same thing? 
That instead of merely just praying for someone, we said, Lord, would you give me time with them? Lord, would you give me another opportunity to be around my brothers and sisters in the faith? What if that was our prayer request? Do you think that would shape the way we approach life group? Do you think that would shape the way we approach Sunday morning worship? Do you think that would shape the way we approach Wednesday night Bible study? If throughout the week we were going, God, would you give me another opportunity to gather together with my brothers and sisters in the faith? Do you think that would shape that in any way, shape, or form? That God, I just want to see them. Even the one that I don't really get along with really well, I just want to see them. I just want to be around them. I think it would drastically shape the way we approach church. If we were regularly and routinely praying for this, but not only praying for that, just to simply see them, but notice what he says, and supply what is lacking in your faith. That not only is Paul praying that he would see his brothers and sisters in the faith, but that God would use him to supply in their faith. What if we prayed the same thing? Not only, God, would you give me another opportunity to see my brothers and sisters in the faith. Not only that, but God, would you use me to supply the needs in my brothers and sisters' lives? Because we've shared it before. I think it was all the way back in Romans. It's one thing for me to pray for Taylor. God, would you help Taylor? God, would you grow Taylor? It's another thing for me to go, God, would you use me in Taylor's life? That's difficult. Because you know what God's going to do? He's going to start giving those opportunities. Okay, okay, big boy, you want, you want to be a blessing to Taylor? Here's an opportunity to be a blessing to Taylor. What if we all did that as a church? Not just for Taylor, but for one another. That is, that is, I'm praying for Clint, that God would use me in Clint's life. Clint's also going, God, would you use me in Zach's life? And I'm doing that with Nelson, and Nelson's doing that for me. And it goes all the way across the board. Then we're sitting there going, God, would you not only give me a chance to see them, but God, would you give me a chance to be a blessing to them and supply whatever is lacking in their life? That's a radically different view of church, is it not? Because here's one of the things I think we've misunderstood about church is that we have, and we all know church, I mean, Sunday school answer church is not a building, it's a body. Like we've known that since like fifth grade Sunday school, right? But too often it can slip in and go, okay, church is a place I attend, not a body to which I belong. Because if it's somewhere I just simply attend, then I'm never connected to it. But if it's a body to which I belong, then I'm intimately connected to it. And if I hurt, the rest of the body hurts. If you don't think this is true, tonight, in the middle of the night, when you get up to use the restroom, hit the pinky toe on the edge of the bed. 
It's a small piece of the foot, but that pain will radiate throughout the rest of your body. Why? Because it's connected. The pinky toe doesn't just show up. It's connected to the rest of the body. So this is the picture that Paul paints all throughout the New Testament. That he's saying, I want to supply what is lacking in your faith. God, would you give me the opportunity to see them and to supply for them? But he continues. He says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, continuing this prayer for presence. God, would you just give me the route to get to them? He says, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another, for all as we do for you. Again, this idea of praying that the church would love one another. And not just within the church, but also without the church. Those who are not part of the community, that we would love them as well. Why is all this taking place? Verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Why does Paul pray for this? So that something would be at work in their hearts to make them blameless at the coming of Christ. Again, living in light that Christ is going to return. In light of Christ's second coming, you and I are called to love one another. That loving one another is evidence of Christ's work in one's life. So he calls us to pray for what presence, and as a result that we would love one another so that we would walk in holiness. And as Christ's second coming comes, we would be found blameless in that pursuit. So church, what does Paul pray for? He prays that he would get to see them to spend time with them. Why? So that he can encourage them. And he prays that in the midst of all of this, that they would love, would grow, and would abound. Just as we talked about before, there's never a limit on how much you can love another follower of Christ. If I ever get to the point where I think I've hit the limit, there's always more that can be done. That's what he talks about, love that would abound and increase. So he prays for presence, but we turn quickly to chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. The very end of 1 Thessalonians, Paul has walked through the coming of the Lord and the day of the Lord going through chapter 4 and chapter 5. And so he kind of gets to this last little section and he's kind of giving just some instructions for how they are to live. And so we come to verse 23, Paul's prayer. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice this last phrase, he who calls you is 
faithful, he will surely do it. So Paul prays for presence in the first section. This prayer he prays for is a prayer for sanctification. Prayer for sanctification. So we look at this. Paul has, he's given them this list of different things. I mean, we could go back and, and read through this. I mean, going um, even up to verse 16, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. And now he prays for them. So he's given them this list of things. And going even back to the beginning of chapter 5 where Paul talks about the coming of the Lord and the day of the Lord. Getting into end time stuff. But he offers this prayer at the end. Now may the God of peace. That little phrase, the God of peace. Which is interesting to me, because going back to the context, it's crazy times in which the church of Thessalonians is living in. They're in the midst of persecution. There's theological confusion about has Christ returned or has he not returned? What in the world is going on? And what does Paul pray for? He prays to the God of peace. That in the Christian life, no matter what may be swirling on the outside, there's peace that can be found. Why? Because our peace is not rooted in external circumstances. Our peace is not rooted in what's going on in the culture, what's going on in the world. Our peace is not rooted in what's going on in my 401k. Our peace is not rooted in any of that. For our peace is rooted in Christ. So persecution may come. Things may get crazy outside of the walls. But there's still peace to be found. Christ has not come yet, but there's still peace to be found. And so he says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. God is sanctifying you and I. God is growing you and I. God is working something in our lives. And it's oftentimes not easy, nor is it comfortable when God sanctifies us. Because what is oftentimes the imagery that's used throughout the scripture of sanctification a potter and a wheel. And as the pottery is formed, sometimes it has to be stretched out. Sometimes it has to be crushed and remolded a little bit. But every pot before it's finalized has to go through the fire. That that's part of the process. And so is sanctification easy or comfortable? By no means. But God is working something. 
God is doing something in your life. I don't know what you're going through right now, what you're wrestling with. No idea. But I want you to hear me say this, that God is doing something for your sanctification. God is at work in the midst of that. That God is growing you in the midst of that. He's at work. So we pray that they would be sanctified completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless. Again, going back to that that we saw in the first prayer at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But then this last little phrase, he who calls you is faithful. I absolutely love the first song we sang this morning. Yes and amen. This constant reminder that he is faithful. Because in the midst of the sanctification process, it can seem like, God, what are you doing? God, where are you at? God, what's going on? But hear me, church, the potter has not left the pot. That even when it's being shaped and molded, his hands are on it. Even when the pot is being crushed, his hands are on it. Even when it's going through the fire, he's controlling the temperature. And he is faithful. Because how much worse would it be if God saved you and goes, okay, you figure this thing out now. I've got you to this point. Now you figure it out. But instead, no, 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 I'm nearby. I'm faithful. And not only is he faithful, Paul has this assurance. He says, he will surely do it. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, he is faithful. And just as we've seen it time and time again, this prayer of reminder that God who starts it will finish it. That the work that God started in your life, he will finish it. He will see it to the end. No matter what's going on, no matter how dark the night may seem, dawn is surely coming. He will surely do it. So Paul prays for presence, that he would be able to see them. He prays for their sanctification. But then let's look at 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. Our last text of the day. Verses 11 and 12. Chapter 1. No, wait. I flipped all the way over to 1 Timothy. I was like, that doesn't look right. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we've seen Paul pray for presence, pray for sanctification, but then lastly, Paul prays for 
purpose. Because where are we at in Thessalonians? He's talked about the coming of Christ. Really, Second Thessalonians, he's, he's dealing with um, some more end time stuff, dealing with that God's going to judge the wicked and they're not going to get away with it. But we must understand, church, that as believers, we have a purpose this side of eternity. And you've heard me share before, this is not have an age bracket on it. Whether you are a child or a student, God has purposes he is seeking to achieve in and through your life even now. Or you're on the other end of the spectrum. And you're sitting there going, my, my best years are behind me. You're still breathing. God has purposes he is seeking to achieve in your life even now. And so he's, Paul is praying for the Thessalonians that they would get this. So he says, to this end, we always pray for you that our God would make you worthy of his calling. That God has called you to something. God has called you to make disciples. He's not talking of a special type of calling that's some type of special reserve Christian. That these are the Navy SEALs of Christianity. No, he's speaking to the church here. That no matter what, where we may be in life, God has called all of us to make disciples. Here's what he says, that God would make us worthy of this calling. It's not you or I that makes ourselves worthy of this calling. It's not our work that makes us worthy of this calling. It is solely him that makes us worthy of this calling. There is nothing in and of myself that has the power, the strength, or the ability to go out there and make disciples. No matter how many books I've read, no matter how much material I have studied, there is nothing inside of me that's able to do it. But God's work on the inside is what enables us to do it. God's power is what enables us to do it, which is the next point that he prays for, and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. And this has been a repeated refrain we've seen throughout all of Paul's prayers, that he wants the church to understand the power that they have access to. And not just to tap into it every now and then, but that it's a place that we live, that he has power. And that every single work is supplied by his power, not our power. So here's the reality, we've, we've been talking a lot about this. Coming up in a few weeks, we're, we're gonna have the community Easter egg hunt. And we could make it about ourselves. Look how awesome we are. Look how great we are. But hear me, church. Our awesomeness and our greatness has zero power to save anybody. Zero. 
So what do we as a church need to do? We need to lean into his power. That if we want to see the gospel impact this community and spread, it's not going to be because anything within us. That we as a church, we have to lean in to his power. So that all of these things are supplied by his power. Why, Paul, why? So that the name of the of Lord Jesus, of our Lord Jesus, may be glorified in you. So that when people look at you, they would go, what a savior. The people wouldn't look at you and go, man, you're awesome. But man, what a Jesus you serve. What a God you serve. Not man, you're fantastic. But what a Jesus. So the, the name of Jesus would be glorified in you. But notice the little phrase, and you in him. What on earth is Paul talking about? That as Christ is dealing with his people and going and sanctifying them and equipping them for every good work, that he is he's doing something, he is working something in the lives of his people. And he's elevating his people out of the miry clay that he found them in. And that he's working something in our lives in the midst of all of that. According to the grace of our God and the, and the Lord Jesus Christ. What is all this according to? His grace. What are the limits of his grace? There are none. That is, it is that rich supply that empowers us to do what Christ has called us to do, to be empowered to live out the purpose that he has called us to live. And so Paul prays for that, that the church would understand that, that the church would understand their purpose and what he has called them to do, but not only understand their purpose, but the power required to fulfill their purpose. That yes, he's called us to things, church. He's called us to make disciples. He has placed this church here on this hill to make disciples. But it's not through our power. It can never be through our power. Solely through his power, he has called us to live out his purposes. And he equips us to do that. So this brings us this morning to our central idea. It's this. Crazy times, between crazy times and the coming king, we should seek to pray for presence, sanctification, and purpose. Between crazy times and the coming king, we should seek to pray for presence, sanctification, and purpose. As the band comes back to the stage, they say, what, what do you mean by that? Just as I said at the beginning, we kind of, I mean, 
we kind of live in a similar context as the church of Thessalonica. It may seem like things are crazy in the world around us. It may seem like, God, what's going on? God, what are you doing? And then we also live in the tension of when's Christ returning? When's Christ's second coming? So we live in that same tension. And we still have the same temptation of the church of Thessalonica. That in the midst of a crazy world and crazy times and a a king that hasn't come yet for his second coming, how are we to live? What are we to do? We should pray first and foremost for presence. That instead of isolating and insulating, instead of trying to place our heads in the sand, we lean into one another. That we seek to be near one another, to engage in the mission together. So we pray to that end. But then second, we pray for sanctification. That instead of throwing our hands up in despair, we go, God, would you grow us? God, would you sanctify us? God, would you help me to look more like Christ today than I did yesterday? That's the sanctification process. And just to be clear, this is just a side note. The sanctification process is not a process of learning more do's and don'ts. That is behavioral modification. The sanctification process is looking more like Jesus today than I did yesterday. That's true sanctification. So we pray to that end. But then lastly, we pray that God would help us to understand our purpose, why we exist. Not to batten down the hatches, to isolate or to insulate, but it may be crazy, may be crazy times. And the king hasn't come yet, but he's still given us a purpose. We're still called to make disciples. We're still called to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that doesn't happen in our own power but solely his. So we pray to that end. So as we wrap up this morning, this brings us to the end of our Praying with Paul series. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. During this time of response, I just want to encourage you to pray. Just a few prayer prompts that I think summarize all of what we've looked at through this series. That what would happen if we as a church prayed for these things? First and foremost, that we would seek to further understand the gospel and encourage one another in the gospel. What if we prayed for that? Earnestly. 
God, would you help us as a church to understand the gospel and that we would encourage one another in the gospel. Not only that, second, that we would be a church that prays to offer thanksgiving and praise to God no matter what season. That God is worthy of our praise on the good days and the bad days. God is worthy of our praise when the church budget looks good and the church budget doesn't look good. God is worthy of our praise when the sanctuary is full and when the sanctuary is not full. That none of those things change God's worthiness of praise. So we pray to that end. And then lastly, we would be a church that walks in our identity in Christ. That we would know who we are in Christ and whose we are in Christ. And not that it would just be mere intellectual facts, but a reality that we walked in. So would you join me today in praying for those three things? So we finish up praying with Paul. Let us pray with Paul today. I'm going to pray. If you need to come pray, this altar is open. If you need somebody to pray with, Clint and Mike and, and Taylor are available. Uh, if you need somebody to pray with, I'll be down here as well. But let's pray together. Father God, we come to you. God, we thank you and give you praise and honor and glory. Thank you for your word that we've read and studied today. God, would you take this feeble attempt of breaking open your word and preaching it, and God, take the truths of your word and drill them deep into our hearts and our minds. And God will give you all the praise, honor, and glory. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand as we respond today? And it is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul.
Amen. Who can really say that this morning? It is well with my soul. So y'all can be seated. Some of those powerful words echoed in history. It is finished. And because Jesus said it is finished, it can be well with our souls. Listen again, we are so excited that you came to worship again with us this morning. Like I said earlier, if you're a first-time guest with us, this Connect card right here, we invite you to fill it out. we got a place for prayer requests as well. If you have something specifically you need to pray about, you can drop those off either uh, in the offering box or with one of our ushers. And if you're a first-time guest, give that card to Pastor Zach. He'll be waiting in uh, the lobby there. We'd love to meet you. got a small gift, just a little thank you for saying uh, thanks, to, uh, just coming in and worshiping with us. And then, of course, don't forget your Easter cards. we got them bundled up here. I think there's 10 in here, grab those, give them out to folks in our community. And the yard signs, we've got uh, signs out of this door, uh, both doors right there. We've got a couple uh, as well um, in the in the office lobby. Now, listen, I love y'all, um, but don't grab a bunch of yard signs if you're not going to get. We got 50 in total. Don't grab 10 of them 
and put seven in your garage and then bring them back and you put them out if you're going to get them. So we won't let that happen. So, again, thanks so much for, for being with us. Don't forget D-Now. Check your worship uh, bulletin there for more uh, things going on. We've got Wednesday night uh, study this week. We'd love to see you there. Great time of study. We've got kids and youth and, of course, adults or something for everybody. Just a good midweek refresh. So let's pray and we'll be dismissed. God, we come to you today. Again, just delighted to spend time in your presence corporately. That we, can, that we can say together that it is well with our soul. God, we're thankful that, again, we could gather here on this hill, but it's more than just gathering together. It's going out, taking what we've been given, and going out into this community to have an impact, not for a church, not for a people, but for your kingdom. So let that be our battle cry this week, that it's bigger than us. It is bigger than us. We'll make sure you receive all the glory, honor, all due to you. It's your name we pray. Amen. We'll see you all back next week.